Hey everybody, welcome to an episode of Half Court and Mid Range. I've got Ray here on the phone because uh, there was some big news this morning. Ray, what we got? Hello, everybody. Yeah, we had some. Uh, we had a Woj bomb this morning. I think we've defined this before, but he's a journalist who breaks a lot of big stories via Twitter, and he announced that New Orleans Pelican star Anthony Davis has formally requested a trade. Uh, he. He's under contract with the Pelicans for the next season and a half, so he wouldn't become a free agent until 2020, but he told the Pelicans that he will not re-sign with them um, and so and said that he wants to be traded, uh, so it would benefit him in the short term to be on a different team because he doesn't want to play in New Orleans long term, um, and then you know the Pelicans could potentially get something back rather than um, him leaving in free agency in 2020 without recuperating anything. Um, and he said that his reasons were that he wanted to to play for a, a team that would consistently be competitive. And in his estimations, New Orleans is not that. <laughs> So that is that is the big news. What do you think? What's the vibe in, in New Orleans, Court? Uh, the vibe in New Orleans, um, let's see, I've talked to a few people about this. Talked to my boss at work. He was pretty disappointed. Uh, it was definitely sort of like a punch in the gut after the Saints, uh, you know, some people say lost. Some people had, say, their trip to the Super Bowl was stolen from them. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> So yeah, he was he was pretty disappointed about that. Um, the owner of Mammoth Coffee, I mean, sorry, Mammoth Espresso, uh, my buddy Jonathan, uh, wasn't too phased by it. I don't know if he's a big Pelicans fan in general, though. I think he's just a big basketball fan, so um, mm. less uh, less concern there. Um, and then uh, I talked to Ailey, um, my neighbor, who's eight, and he said that he still likes the Warriors the most, so he wasn't too concerned, but he likes the Pelicans second most. Um, mm. And he thought that it was like a little bit mean to New Orleans uh, that Anthony Davis said that he didn't want to play for them anymore. So yeah, generally people are a little bit upset about it. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think those are all reasonable responses. Um yeah, I think it is disappointing for the for the Pelicans in New Orleans. I guess we we talked about on a previous podcast that this seemed like something that might happen for a long time anyway. Um, but then he signed with with LeBron James' agent, who's known for kind of steering his clients to the cities that they want to be in, um, and and potentially that he would want to hook. Um, and he gave us up with LeBron in LA. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a bummer for the Pelicans. I would it would have been cool if he had taken a liking to New Orleans and decided he'd want to stay there. But I guess with a lot of these guys, they want to go for bigger cities and play the stars. And and uh, so it will be. I'm sorry, Pelicans fans. Um, yeah, it's kind but, of a, that's kind of a bummer. Um, how, yeah. So, real quick on the um, what's the Rich Paul? Rich what, Paul, yeah. yeah he is, he, so he's LeBron an, James is he's an agent. If you were describing what exactly an agent does uh, to someone who is kind of unfamiliar with the concept, what how would you describe that? Maybe in terms like hmm. an eight year old would understand. Yeah, so I think traditionally, I think agents worked more like a kind of a lawyer for a player that kind of negotiated contracts for them like anybody's um like a non professional athlete might have a lawyer to help negotiate. Um and well I guess I guess there's always more to that in terms of like marketing a player and 
and things like that. But I think in recent years where players have really taken control of or taken more control of where they're going to play and the terms on which they're going to play, I think the agents have done much more like behind the scenes wheeling and dealing to kind of coordinate player movement. Um, and I think Rich Paul, so Rich Paul, I, I believe he was basically like friends with the LeBron James from a young age. And then he started this agency and with LeBron as a client. And then it's naturally blown up uh, with LeBron blowing up as a player. Um, and so it's kind of now notorious. There's a bunch of Rich Paul agents and they, um, he's, he, he's good at getting them big contracts um, and kind of steering them to where they want to be. And so, um, so yeah, I think at one level, it's somebody who's representing the player um, in their best interest and helping them sign contracts and things like that. And then I think at another level, it's kind of coordinating this like behind the scenes movement to get players where they, where they want to be. Gotcha. Okay. I think the, yeah, that, that might be a little bit more in depth than, uh, <laughs> was the uh, easy explanation, but I think for our other listeners, that might be, um, a pretty good uh dive into yeah. it. Um, yeah for the, yeah that's probably not a good yeah somebody an agent is somebody who helps somebody else and gets paid to do it that's yeah Maybe that's my eight-year-old that yeah that's a real good one that really is like getting uh very very general i actually had yeah. i didn't realize he was um one of his guys you know from childhood i didn't i thought he had like had his you know you know what I mean? More independent of LeBron, and you know. Yeah, I, yeah. I um, I I, want, I don't want to report fake news here, but I, um, but I'm pretty confident that that's true. He's a longtime friend of LeBron James. Right. Let's see. Yeah, it says he's been, he's known him he's since only high school. 30, he's only thirty-seven. So, so yeah, I think he probably did more or less get started. Yeah. Um, so he was like a pretty young man when LeBron was in high school and was like, Hey, yeah. this is going to be my guy. I'm going to, you know, work with him. Which, yes. Yes. Uh, good foresight on his part. Yeah. He pretty much picked, um, he pretty much got teamed up with the best guy yeah. to do that. Um, and LeBron James is actually not allowed to have any ownership stake in his agency um and so it's really like you know his thing it looks like he started under another agent but then became independent from him in 2012 um so yeah and quickly built a reputation for being a a good negotiator and a good advocate for his clients oh um, reading here so, on celebritynetworth.com that he originally met LeBron James at an airport. Oh, wow. So, yeah. That's uh, airports, you know? When you're just, like, meeting somebody at an airport. Have you met anybody that you have a business relationship with uh, originally at an airport? Uh, I don't believe so. I don't believe so. Um, but uh, I hope they met at, like, a Cinnabon. <laughs> you know a cozy LeBron. cafe lebron doesn't probably eat cinnabons that's probably uh that's probably uh not good for his for his overall health yeah i mean you know i don't know they have cheat days right yeah i know that lebron is like you know probably pretty fastidious with his uh regimens and stuff but yeah maybe maybe it seems like all these guys now are into these fancy diet things like that and just like eating good food. Not that the cinnamon is not good. Cinnamon is great. I'm, I don't know the last time I've had a Cinnabon, but I bet it's great. I would have, I don't know if I've ever had one, but I would definitely have one if they sponsored this podcast. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah. So what do you think? Um, so I guess looking forward, what, um, 
what do you think that this means for the Cans, the Pelicans? Um, yeah, what's what's the future? The the what? Are, yeah, what ought they do, and what's their future look like? Or what do you what do you think about this? It's hard. Their attendance, even with Davis playing on the team, was pretty mediocre. Um, it's hard to get people excited about the team. And I feel like having Davis was like always a draw. Like maybe the team won't do so well, but it's exciting to see like a guy score 40 points and have a bunch of rebounds and, you know, do what he does. Um, it's a little harder to like sell kind of a team of, you know, non-superstars. But maybe that's a new identity. Maybe they can be like one of those, like, I don't know. I can't think of like another small market team really. That's kind of my big issue is like, well, what does it mean for basketball that like all the team, you know, there's just going to be a few teams and those are the ones that have like any sort of legitimate hope and they correlate highly with like larger markets. Yeah, I think that, I think that's a challenge. Yeah, I think that's a, an issue. I do think that there have been these smaller market teams just with really smart and innovative like management that have continued to put a competitive team on the floor. I guess I'm thinking of the jazz and the Spurs is the biggest one I can think of. The Spurs for sure. Like San Antonio Um, relative to, you know, New York or LA. Well, not that, not that mm -hmm. the Knicks are good. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, definitely not. Sorry, Nick. Definitely not. Um, But yeah, yeah. relatively <laughs> yeah and put the thunder in there too you know i think it is i think i definitely think there's a way to get there I just, I just think you kind of have to you have to be really shrewd and you have just have to you know you have to have a good coach you have to have a really smart general manager you have to not make short-sighted decisions um because really, like the the Lakers haven't been good since Kobe was good, um, and the Knicks. I don't know when. When was the last time they were good? Patrick Ewing. I guess they had that one good year where they made a bunch of threes. Yeah, um, I mean, I think Ewing was like the last time they were like good, good. But didn't they had like one year even after Allen? They had Allen Houston. Like I feel like they were, yeah, they had some years there where they were like kind of good. Yeah, they when they had those series against the Heat where like everybody would get in fights. Yeah, that was, was post Ewing. Yeah, yeah. And then one of the years yeah. with Melo, they had one good year with Melo, I think. Like, yeah, that was the year their offense like really clicked. I want to say it was twenty twelve or twenty thirteen, maybe. Yeah. Um. But yeah, for the but, most part, like really, really atrocious. Yeah. So I think there is that. I think there is that. Um, I think there is a way for smaller market teams to work, and clearly a way for large market teams to fail miserably, as they have shown. Right. Like when the Sixers were really bad for all those years. <laughs> I will. I will. Uh, we we turned things around, Cortland. <laughs> then we went to a we went to a, a smart um, long term strategy that no one seemed to talk about at all, and was quietly approved. And now we have good players. That's great. Um. So yeah, but but I think it's ultimate. I think probably it just feels unfair to people. I think situations like this feel unfair when New Orleans gets this generational talent um and then he decides he doesn't want to play there and i'm sure it is based on the fact that the pelicans just haven't been that good with him but it also probably has to do with him wanting to be in a bigger market or you know in a market where he might i don't know get more attention or you know be able to sell more sneakers or I don't know, be in movies or I don't know what you guys want to do, things like that. Right, definitely. Um, I mean, here's here's a terrible, this isn't like a, I don't know, here's my take on it. It's like if you were his level of famous, which is like not like nationally super famous probably, 
But if you were a guy living in New Orleans who is like, obviously everybody in town knows who he is. And he's like, you know, freaking seven feet tall. So he obviously stands out as well. This would not be as fun a town to be in. Like, it's an awesome town for me to live in as like, you know, no, you know, nobody knows me, uh, which is great because <laughs> there's like a lot of like, you know, wacky things to go to. And you're just like, you can be sort of a bystander and see all these like wild things going on and just like, you know, enjoy being uh, not the center of attention because there's always like, you know, a lot of stuff going on. But if for him, anywhere he goes, he's like the guy and there's just not that many like super fancy places. I don't know. I can just imagine if you were like that famous, like Los Angeles seems like a better choice. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And I think if that's I don't what know, you're into. I don't understand any of this stuff, but it sounds like these NBA players and celebrities when they're in places like LA, like that they people recognize them but it's like not as big of a deal so they can kind of live more regular lives than in a lot of other places so yeah like he has a house but it's out in like metairie you know it's like a fancy house but it's in Mm -hmm. metairie i don't know i would rather if i had a ton of money and i was into having fancy houses and stuff i don't know some nice place in la seems like way better of an option which he also has a house yeah. in LA. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I also think with all of these things, it's like the whole, ultimately at the end of the day, I'm glad when players flex their muscle to like, do what they want to do. Yeah. Kevin Dur- Durant had a quote or something and, you know, that asked if the Warriors were talking about this in the locker room. He's like, yeah, of course we're talking about it. It's like news. It's And like, uh, you know, he's going to try to play where he wants to play. And they only have so much time to do this. And that's what he ought to do. And I am um, very much for that. And even, you know, the way the system is now, he basically didn't really have much flexibility the first five to seven years of his career and just was going to play at the place that drafted him. Um, and he was very handsomely compensated to do that. And so there's lots of great things about that, but you know, it's not most people take for granted that they get to choose where they, they live and work. And I think I'm glad that more NBA players are kind of, yeah, taking uh, opportunities that they have to steer themselves to where they want to be. So, Yeah. Yeah, and uh, the a little bit of me wants to be like, oh, but is it, you know the agent is the one like pulling the strings and stuff like that? But you know, if that's the case, who cares, right? Yeah, like, yeah. To, like, I mean, all these owners colluding to be like, you have to play at the same place forever, you know? And like, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, um, yeah, I'm I'm with you there. And I, I do, there are these stories about like the agents wanting players to go to certain places and steering them. And I never really get those. I mean, maybe that happens, but I don't know, you know, if it ever, if the, if the relationship ever like moved in that direction, I don't know why the player would be like, Hey, you're representing me and acting on like my behalf. And like, you don't want to negotiate with this team because you have a bad relationship with them. And like, okay, I'll go find another agent. And so I don't, it's unclear to me how that happens, but it seems, it does seem like sometimes the agents have a lot of sway in it. But anyhow, ultimately, I would think in most of these cases, it is what the player wants that, that the agent is you know, representing and and trying to, you know, get, For sure. get on their behalf. And, and I so. don't, you know, I don't doubt Anthony Davis, like the statement said he like wants to win championships or whatever. And, he of a lot of people definitely seems like the type of guy who really does care about the basketball. <laughs> like, yeah, I know that some other guys might seem more like, Oh yeah, if I go here, I'll get like better deals and stuff. And that might, yeah, that's probably part of it for him too. You know, no sense in turning right. down that kind of stuff. But I think he, I think honestly, if they had been 
more competitive and made better decisions and surrounded him with a team better, he would have been fine staying here. Yes. Yeah. That, and they and they have, I, I'm sure we've talked about this a lot on here, but I think that they have, over the last year or two, I think they've made some pretty good decisions with the roster, but um, since he got here, they've not really operated according to some cohesive plan. They kind of always were just trying to make themselves as good as possible in the short term and sacrificing, you know, future draft picks. And they basically could have been patient and um, used their draft picks and um, been okay with not being great at first and, and getting higher draft picks by virtue of that and making, you know, signing guys to team friendly deals. Um, but they more or less like, shortly after his rookie season we're just like doing everything they could to be good as fast as possible um and when you know that a guy because of the way the contracts work you know the guy's going to be around for at least five six seven years you've got time to to try to actually build a, a roster that is sustainable and um so ultimately right. i don't think the pelicans did the things there are some there are some cases where you know like durant leaving oklahoma city oklahoma city basically did everything right to make him want to stay, um, you know, besides maybe having a player on the team, Russ, who is really hard to play with. Right. Um, but in terms of actually building a really good team, they, they did that. Um, and so, you know, in that case, I kind of feel more bad for Oklahoma City. Um, it just happens they were, you know, just had a really, you know, an amazing enough, like, infrastructure and, and, depth uh that they were able to continue to be really good but um, they also had the heart in well nobody could have predicted what happened there but yeah yeah i think in hindsight that was a mistake but i think um and a lot of um yeah i think in hindsight that was clearly a mistake especially given that Harden is uh doing things that we haven't really ever seen before right now um but I do think that's actually the type of shrewd um, against the grain decision that like small market teams should be willing to make, um, be willing to like risk actually giving up a player that might become a superstar um, in the, in the effort of like building a roster that you can, you know, where you can actually pay all the players. Um, right. And and have like guys on lower cost contracts that um, is more financially sustainable. Um, so, I, so yes, the the sort of looking to the short term though, like, do you think? Well, you know, Tom Benson was the owner, and and you know he's no longer with us. He was older. Is there like a part of that? Like, was he, do you think as the owner, he was like, we got to win now. Like, this is my time. This is my team. Or do you think he was more out of it? And it was just like, Del Demps was like, I got to, you know, have some short-term results for my job's sake. Yeah. I think that, I think that could definitely be part of it. I honestly think what, what has really dictated their lack of strategy for the worse over the since they've gotten Davis is generally like organizational dysfunction. Um, obviously, there's stuff with the Bensons going on, um, you know, and then they have Del Demps as general manager, but they also have like Mickey Loomis who oversees both the Saints and the Pelicans, but I don't think. He's really a basketball guy. Um, and so I think there's just probably a lack of clarity in what their organizational structure looks like. Right. Um, and you'll hear about these, and actually people were talking about this today, that like it's unclear who is going to be the – this is a huge decision for the Pelicans organization. Um, you know, it could – what they how they handle this and the players they get back in return could – help determine whether or not the Pelicans stay in New Orleans long-term. And so whoever is the kind of final decision maker on that is pretty important or 
um, just even organizationally knowing who gets to make the decisions and why um, is really important. And right now it's, it's unclear who that will be. It might be Gail Benson. Mm. Um, it might be Mickey Loomis. It might be Del Demps. And even he was, you know, he probably is still here because they made the playoffs last year mm. um, and had a good round. And I think that's kind of the continuation of, you know, really good organizations. Um, the ownership has someone in that kind of general manager, president, basketball operations position that they empower to make decisions. And so this is like the Spurs with R.C. Buford. Um, and these other guys, you don't ever hear about the owners like kind of getting in anything at all. Um, and that's almost certainly going to be the case here. And maybe it should be the case because they have a GM that they don't know if he's going to be around for the long term. But anyhow, I think that has a lot to do with their kind of lack of, you know, cohesive strategy for some time. Whatever their choice is, whether it's like the near term trade or if they're going to hold off for a, a while, you know, that they do the best they possibly can here as far as return and setting the organization up for more long-term success yeah on on that note we should talk about some of the teams that um have been mentioned as trade candidates all right here's an easy Um, one for you rich paul he's the agent lebron james same you know agency is he gonna go to the lakers i think all signs point to this being the most likely um destination and probably you know most people think this is where davis wants to go um it is notable that you know in the in the in the press release or the the article today like anthony he could have said that he wants to go to the lakers um maybe that's just they didn't want to signal it but at least so far it hasn't been specifically reported that anthony davis is saying that he wants to go to the lakers Mm. um so um, that's notable, but this seems the general thinking is that, you know, he wants to go there and either he'll tell the Lakers or tell the Pelicans behind closed doors and other teams that he's only going to resign with the Lakers to, to discourage everybody else from making legitimate offers. Um, but it remains to be seen if that'll happen. Um so, and people are saying that if the Lakers, basically the Lakers have a, a, a three to five decent young players. Um, and basically, I think, and, and a lot of people are saying that they would basically have to give the Pelicans all of those good young players because none of them are that good or project necessarily to be all-stars. Mm-hmm. And so the Pelicans would just be like, and which would be, Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram and Kyle Kuzma. And if I was Pelicans, I would also ask for Josh Hart, who is pretty quality, if not, you know, really great player. And then a bunch of draft picks. Um, And then they'd have to add salary to make it work. So they'd probably get like Contavious Caldwell Pope. Um, So, yeah, so that's, um, that is what, that is what they would, something like what they would offer. Um, what do you think about that? Do you think that that no return, deal. <laughs> no deal? <laughs> I don't know. Just not appealing to me. Yeah, it wouldn't be appealing. It's not appealing to me either as a basketball fan, and it wouldn't be appealing to me if I was a Pelicans fan. Um, I mean, I, I don't think, I think some of those guys can be like legitimate NBA players. Just none of them are going to be like the guy, you know, like they're right. past the point where like at some point, maybe some of them had a chance where they were like, oh, this guy might develop into like the superstar guy. But I think all of them are past that point where they could still have that potentiality and fill me in on the pick situation there. I assume yeah, it would basically be their picks so they could they could trade. um they could trade their pick this year and then they could trade their basically they could trade their pick every other for a couple of years. So they could trade at least three picks um, over the next five years. Yeah. But, but 
they're going to be low. Because yeah. The, the Lakers ostensibly would be pretty good. So. Right. Until Anthony Davis gets hurt for the season. No offense to Anthony Davis. Yeah. I don't want him to get hurt for the season. Just the guy. He's, yeah. Well, he's yeah. kind of a weird. He never gets hurt for the whole season. He's just hurt for like part of the season a lot. Yeah, it's weird. Somebody I saw a list of his injuries that he's had over this course of a career, and he had and he had he has, he has just this huge variety of very small injuries that um, keep him out for a short period of time. It's, um, it's yeah, bizarre. suspicious almost. No, <laughs> don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to mind because I feel yeah. like he, the dude plays super hard, and he has played super hard for the Pelicans. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm with you though on that package not being. I mean, the more I think about it, basically everybody's thinking that no other team is going to offer something really good because they think that Anthony Davis is going to leave and go to the Lakers in 2020. Right. Um, but I mean, I feel like that package that 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 group of players is is just so underwhelming that it really wouldn't take that much for another team to just, even if they don't, even if there's, you know, not a great probability that Anthony Davis is going to resign with them in 2020, that they, that somebody would be able to top that. Um, so, yeah. The other interesting thing is that the Lakers actually trade, the way the salary cap works is weird, but the Lakers actually trade it for him now they basically going into the next season would only have LeBron James and Anthony Davis on and basically money that they've um, paid sort of Luel Bang um, to not play for them anymore <laughs> on their salary cap. Um, and so basically they'd only have $30 million um, to sign other players going into next year. Mm. Um which you know, of course, and that's in, I think that's a lot of money in general in NBA terms. That's not uh, that much money to build an entire roster. Um, and if they wanted to sign another max type of guy, they would have to come at a discount. Um, so, anyhow, there's some there's some there's some kind of bumps in the road into the Lakers trade actually happening and. So and maybe those sense. picks would be kind of appealing after all. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe. And I think there's a chance, you know, I guess the picks could be, I mean, LeBron James is 34 right now. And so, you know, the chance that he declines or starts getting injured, he is, for, by all accounts, he doesn't seem to um, exist in that world. Adhere, yeah, adhere to human standards of frailty um he seems to be an indestructible um, person but um hypothetically at one point he may start time comes for us all of aging yes time comes for us all including lebron james um but that leads to our next yeah speaking uh, of time coming for us all yeah the celtics can't even trade for him now well they could, but they have Kyrie they Irving could. on their team. They could. And a thing that's probably not worth trying. Uh, yeah, the, so the Celtics have long been acquiring young players and draft picks in hopes to make a trade like this, almost specifically for Anthony Davis. Um, and... Weirdly, they can't trade for him right now because Anthony Davis is on the special kind of rookie contract that Kyrie Irving is also on, and teams can only have one of those contracts. And so they can't trade for Anthony Davis right now unless they trade away Kyrie Irving. Um, so that adds another little wrinkle to it. People are speculating that that Anthony Davis coming out with this news and now means that he doesn't want to go to the Celtics because they can't trade for him now, and they make it more likely that he goes to the Lakers. What do you think about that, Court? Well, what if they trade Kyrie Irving away? I would do that in a heartbeat if I were them. Is Kyrie um, Irving good at basketball? You know, he is. 
he is an excellent shot creator and shot maker and there's a lot of val that's a really important thing to have in the nba today just a guy who can create his own shot make a three score efficiently um Kyrie is is very good at that um he's also not good at defense and i think i think there are because he's he's a relatively small guy uh, i think there's probably some questions about how well age um among the top 20 or so players in the nba he's the type of player that i don't like as much as some other guys that two-way players you would put him um, in the top 20 players i i'm pretty sure i would i have to look at a list I, i'm pretty sure i'm almost certain i w- i would not put him in the top 10 okay um i think he that was would where probably i was going be in next. my top 20 that was i was going to yeah. go to top 10 next who's better yeah. him or russell westbrook <laughs> i don't like either of those players <laughs> honestly i would take Kyrie because i think I think Russ is, I guess, I guess it depends on your goals. I think if you wanted to have a team that won like 45 to 50 games every year um, and was entertaining, then Russ is a good player to have. Um, I don't think Russ is, I don't really see Russ as a, as a key player on like a championship team. Mm-hmm. Unless he were to not shoot so much, because mm-hmm. he's just not an efficient scorer, and and because he shoots so much and he's inefficient, it just I think brings the brings the overall like ceiling of your offense down to where offenses like Golden State and Houston um, are just gonna. I just think they're gonna outpace teams that that have a guy like Russ. So. So basically, I would take Kyrie because I could see him being, he makes more sense on a championship roster than Russ does, True. in my estimation. He has won a championship. He has. He has, and he was a big part of that championship, too. Very, so. Yeah, very famously. So. Yeah. He also had LeBron James yeah. on the team. So, <laughs> there's, there's <laughs> yes, that. Yes, that's a, a big help. <laughs> big caveat That is there. a big help. Um, So yeah, the Celtics though, all those stockpiled assets, man, how did they do that? Smart team, huh? They, uh, so, yeah, um, my disdain for the Celtics is well known. Um, however, they have made some shrewd moves to accumulate assets over the years. Um, I, I, w- I would say that they're Basically, they have they have a, some future draft picks that could be okay, but they're not looking as good as they they had looked at one point. Um, but really, what it gets and, and so again, the Celtics most likely, if they were to make a trade, it would at earliest be this summer. Um, I think the big question for them becomes if they're willing to trade Jason Tatum. Um, if they are, then I think that they could put one of the best packages together. Um, But if not, they could still put something together um, that is, that is, um, that is, I'm sorry, somebody was knocking on my door. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, Bring them on. We take a time out. Answer the door and bring them on. Okay, I'll be right back. Okay, cool. I'm excited to meet this person. Guest on Half Court in the Grange. Oh, it was my roommate. Does he know anything about the Knicks? He does. He followed, he's from Long Island, and he followed the Knicks growing up, but now he doesn't really pay attention to sports and lots of things in modern life in general. Um, So he could chime in on the 1990s Knicks, which were... Um, a vintage of, of Knicks basketball that, that uh, is worth appreciating and remembering, as we did earlier in the podcast. But they weren't the current Knicks, and the current Knicks are the play, the team that could potentially trade for Anthony Davis. They are. And so there's 
there's talks of people are saying that they should offer Chris Epps Porzingis for Anthony Davis. Um, and there are talks that they should offer their pick, which could be a high pick. It could be the first pick. Um, outside of that, they don't have a ton of great things to offer. Um, but yeah, what do you what do you think about that as a former New York City resident and somewhat of an X fan? Um, yeah, Chris Tapps, he's been out for a while, uh, and I think also Anthony Davis is just a better player. Um, so there's that. Yes. I think straight up, that seems like a good deal for them. Uh, if it was him and some other stuff, maybe that would be approaching fairness. Does Anthony Davis really even want to stay at the Knicks, though? That's the question. I know that the Knicks have, uh, you know, they're probably a little, um, a little wary because of uh, the whole when they traded for Carmelo Anthony fiasco. <laughs> Carmelo yeah, Anthony yeah. in general fiasco. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, yeah. I think this could work if um, there's talks that Durant or Kyrie might want to go yeah. play New York. And if they kind of had a feeling or that was communicated backdoor um, that he might come, then it would make sense that they both might want to stay and play there. Um, so I think that that's where it gets interesting. I mean, uh, that would be sweet. And from the and from the Pelican side, that there's lots of reasons not to take a risk on Porzingis, um, but to get he would be one of the higher potential young players that they could possibly get back in a. Yeah, I feel like he has a bigger Anthony upside than that Lakers sort of platter of random dudes. Yeah, yeah, and even what the Celtics can put together, I think, um, besides potentially Tatum. Um, and even I think he still has higher upside than Tatum, but yeah, um, that's your at least Tatum is closer to him, but yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, another the, team the that pick, could put a package. The pick is exciting yeah. though, as the Pelicans, you know, nominally excited about the Pelicans. What if it was the pick? What if it was the number one overall pick? What if it was yeah. Zion Williamson? I saw him yeah, dunk so hard one time that Jay Huff himself was not even able to stop it <laughs> yeah I, if, if you are listening and you have not watched Zion Williamson highlights I recommend it um, it is um, like an optical illusion um, he's a pretty, he is very good he's a pretty hard going guy and he's large uh, yes. a little out of control now and, but I mean he's you know you see these guys in college, first years. He's definitely, uh, you know, of of all those guys that have been there before. He's he's in that rarefied yeah. air. I feel like, unfortunately, yeah. he's also like the rich man's Julius Randle, who's already on the Pelicans. Yeah, but that wouldn't uh, that wouldn't get in the way of anything. I think the challenge with that, at least the Knicks trading now, is that even if they finish with one of the worst three records, which they probably will, um, they would only have a 14% chance of getting the top pick. So, um, 14% chance. That's going to happen every time. That's how I treat it in poker. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. Don't take gambling. This is not a gambling podcast. Um, so, um, you know, don't bet any money. That's, yeah, that's my advice. I mean, the real thing when you t- when you're considering situations like this in poker, it's like you have to consider like not only like will I win getting lucky, but also how mad will it make the person when I beat them <laughs> getting lucky, and then I can like use that to my advantage later. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> the funny thing about this is, is that court to the listeners, court is actually both a very good and a very conservative poker player. Extremely conservative. Um, when we played with Michael and when we played with Michael and Ailey the other night, I folded to Ailey. I did a respect fold to an eight-year-old who actually had nothing. He had he had no he had he didn't have a hand. <laughs> and I actually had like you know high pair off the board or something stupid like that. I don't know. Oh man, man, Ailey. He well, had a he had know. a straight draw. Yeah. Which there you he go. Could, yeah. It's not going to shock me if he becomes like a young poker whiz. Oh, yeah. He was super into it. Still looking at the cards. 
I hadn't played poker um, in a while. We, we were pretty excited about it. Me and Michael. It was pretty. Nice. Yeah, you know, that strategy. There's something to be said for it. Although it's hard when you're playing for like, you know, we were using like actual coins. So it was like 50 cent buy-in. It's a little hard to mm-hmm. take that as seriously. Um, when you're yeah. eight years old. That's, or, yeah. Yeah, that's sort of, um, you know, emotionally invested amount of money. But um, yeah. I feel fortunate. Have you thing. thought about trying to like dress him up like an adult and put like a fake mustache on him and bring him to Harris? <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, no. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would, I feel like he could, I'm guessing that they, I'm guessing he wouldn't be allowed to play. I don't think the costume would be good enough. Right. But, uh, I feel like if he was able to sit down at a table that he actually could like compose himself and, you know, do, do just a fine job. Yeah. Especially at Harris, New Orleans, right off the French quarter. Right. And I think he would be, um, among, you know, company that, that, um, where he would look, you know, incredibly mature and composed. We we played very few hands together, but the first time we played, he accidentally flipped his cards over when he was trying to fold them. Oh, and then I made him like reflip them over so everyone could see them, and he got kind of upset about that because he was like, "Oh, I did something bad." And I was like, "You did, but like, here's the deal: it happens sometimes. I've seen you know lots of people do that. Uh, it's not a good thing, but like, you just have to make it so everybody gets to see them. That's like what happens when that happens." Yeah, there's a good lesson to be learned there. Speaking of um, playing cards face up, the Sixers. The Sixers. Um, Elton Hinkie. Brand. No, same Hinky. His strategy: he would never show any cards. That's that's the, he would he would keep all his secrets to himself. Um, but yes, the Sixers are another team that is being talked about as a potential Anthony Davis landing spot mostly because they have some really good young players um, and people are saying, we talked about how Przingis could be one of the best young players the Pelicans would get. I think the best young player that they could acquire um, in a trade for Anthony Davis would be Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid. Um, and I think Embiid is better. So if I were the Sixers and I was considering that, I would want it to be Ben Simmons. Um, and as a Sixers fan, I would be bummed to lose Ben Simmons, but I would absolutely trade him for Anthony Davis. And there'd have to be other guys in there for salary filler and stuff, but um, that would be exciting. It would be very unclear how Anthony Davis and Joel Embiid could play together. Um, there hasn't been there hasn't been like a championship level team that had two like really true centers um even though i think davis still likes to think about himself as a power forward in terms of his height and ability he's more of a natural fit at center um but they both can shoot and i think i think they could make it work and it would just be exciting to see what they could do so yeah so that is a that is the option um that is complicated because Ben Simmons' agent is also this man, Rich Paul, who we've discussed. And if he's trying to get his other client out of New Orleans, he might not want Simmons to go to New Orleans, so he might try to put the kibosh on that happening if the Sixers were interested in it. Um, so, yeah, what do you think? Do you think the Sixers, if they have the opportunity, should trade Simmons for Davis? Um. That would be such a weird fit. I would love to see it happen just for entertainment value. Um, the two of them out there at the same time. And obviously they would stagger them some as well. Um, but yeah, that would be cool. I would not want to see it from the Pelicans perspective. I think Ben Simmons could be good, but I don't think he would be good on the Pelicans because he mailed it in so hard at LSU. That dude hated being here. You think it was Louisiana? Yeah, I don't think he likes to live in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. I don't think he would want to be there. I think he doesn't. Yeah, I don't think it would be a good fit for him. He would be like, yeah, 
he would mail it in, I think. Mm. So, so I think it would be a bad trade for the... I think Chris Stapps would, like, you know, give more of a... I don't know. He, I could see him, like, dealing with it okay. But I think Ben Simmons, like, he also wants to be, like, on a, you know, championship team, right? Like, he likes to dish it, too. Yeah. I guess he I think could... that's true, and I think having gotten having played on a competitive team and played in the playoffs in his first year or his first year playing, um, that would be a hard transition. But all that to say, he came into the league after LSU with some questions about how hard you would play because of LSU. And he's played incredible. Like he's been nothing but a, you know, incredibly hard worker and he's improved in a lot of areas of this game, like defense. Like he was not a good defensive player in college. Now he's he's a really good NBA defensive player. And so Right. You know, I think still wanting to he seems like somebody who really wants to be a great player and I think he'd be disappointed to go to New Orleans, but also kind of think he would go there and continue to just do his best and maybe he would plan to leave when he could as well. But um the cans would have some time to convince him to stay. Everyone wants so, to leave New Orleans, you know. You know. Um, I don't get that mindset, but you know. <laughs> it's a, uh, you know, it's a, it's a great. Not everybody wants to leave. Sometimes, you know, just circumstances are such that it's best uh, for people to go. Um, but it's not because it's not a great city, or the people that leave it don't love it. Maybe you know I mean? uh, maybe sometimes they just want to leave for a shorter amount of time and just see what happens in another city. Is there any chance the Raptors could trade for Anthony Davis? <laughs> Canada. Man. Um, I think, yeah, I was actually, so they, they're kind of a, a fringe uh, team that people are talking about. And I actually think it can make sense. They have some interesting young players. They don't have anybody who seems like a, like a Ben Simmons, Porzingis, Tatum level of guy. But Pascal Siakam and OG and OB are very good. They have a bunch of nice, like, complimentary guys. Um, so if I'm the Pelicans, I'm not really excited about those packages. But I think it compares just fine to what the Lakers can offer. So, um, you know, if and the, the Toronto has shown themselves to be a pretty uh, risk-seeking team and trading for Kawhi and not knowing if he's going to stay. So maybe they would make a similar type of wager there. What do you think? Do you think um, yeah, just, Davis is Canada-bound? No, but I think just get both of them short-term. Just, you know, go all in as we go back to our poker lingo here. Just, oh, yeah. you know, throw it in there, even though it's a hard, you know, you're going up against a big stack there in uh, Golden State for sure. But, uh, I'm puck you know, committed. You're puck committed. You're puck committed. Exactly. You got quiet already. Just, just go all in for this year. See if you can give them a good fight in the finals. Uh, and maybe, you know, you know, put your chips in and maybe you'll get lucky, as Ben Starkweather always said. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, oh yeah, boy. He was a pro. He was a pro poker player. <laughs> he was. He was. And then there have also been some uh, rumblings about the Bucks. What What's the news on the Bucks and potential Anthony Davis trade? So I read. I read their blog, and this is. I'm not joking. You here. The reason they said the Pelicans would not go for a trade with them was because they would not add Malcolm Brogdon into the trade. They said the Pelicans would require Malcolm Brogdon in the trade, and the Bucks would not part with Malcolm Brogdon, and that was why the the Bucks would not trade for Anthony Davis. I'm not joking. That's what their blog said. They love Malcolm Brogdon. He's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and also, yeah. to be fair, that would also seem like it was maybe more of a they would be gambling with the sort of uh, rental period. Um, they would have him for a year and a half a year or whatever 
uh, Giannis is obviously very good at basketball. Um, in this scenario, they were giving up Bledsoe and some other stuff, uh, but not Malcolm Brogdon. <laughs> no, yeah, he's untouchable, Malcolm. Yeah. Um, that's funny. I think, I wonder if someone's done some kind of study. So there's a, I feel like it's just a thing where when fans of their own team talk about potential trade requests, they, the equilibrium is to like construct trades where they're giving up like a third of the value of the receiving mm-hmm. and they just like overrate all their own guys and then just kind of assume that for some reason this other team would do this trade. And, but it seems it's just, it just happens like every single time, you know, and I was actually listening to sports talk radio today, which I don't do a lot of, but I was curious to see if anybody was talking about an Anthony Davis Sixers trade. And the radio host was like, all of the trades that you're thinking of, don't tell me those trades. <laughs> like those are all bad trades. They actually told me the real, like, like go back to the drawing board and come up with like a good trade. Anyhow, I'm kind of interested to see why that, to understand like why that is, why fans are more realistic about um, properly valuing, probably understanding how good their own players are and how much they would be worth in a trade. I mean, it's familiarity, right? Like you spend some time with people and you can't help but like them, whether it's in right, basketball it? or <laughs> or elsewhere. Yeah, I think you start to uh, I think that you that's know. True you start to even their flaws kind of become endearing to you. Uh, you know, there goes some, sometimes, sometimes they're full, you know, but I, I think also familiarity, um, can breed resentment. You become, they, or even less so just like an awareness, uh, a greater awareness of people's, um, flaws and peculiarities. Mm. Like yeah. at first glance, somebody might seem really flashy and amazing, but like, you know, you're the team, you know them as the home fan and you're like, oh, well, that guy just like, you know, jacks up shots all the time and he just happened to like make a bunch this game. So you think he's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that, I think that that's right. Um, I do think at the end of the day that you probably, when you're comparing like, whether in basketball or elsewhere, like the things that you have in your sphere to like what other people have in theirs that you probably, and you're thinking about like losing those things at that, at that point, then it's like, you probably, um, think them greater than they, than they maybe are just cause you, cause you have that attachment or you feel some, you feel some like kind of pride in, in that. Right. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, but. It's the sunk cost fallacy in, in some way. Right, yeah. like you're already invested in some way, and you overrate those things that you're already invested in. Yeah, you're pot committed. Pot committed. Speaking okay. of, you know, pot committed and making bold uh, bets on things. What do we think is going to shake down here? What What's the? Is he going to get traded before this trade deadline? Is where is he going? I... We'll start with you. Okay, so my prediction is that he is not traded before the deadline and that New Orleans continues to be underwhelmed with everything that the Lakers can offer. And the Celtics ultimately trade for him. That's my prediction. So after July 1st, and I'll even go ahead and say that that trade is going to include Jason Tatum. Okay. I like well, that. Well, you know what? Okay. I, I'm more confident in the Celtics being the, the final partner than, than Tatum being included, but I'll stick with that. I'll stick with Tatum being in that trade. I like it. I like your boldness and I like that you switch to, well, yeah, I like that it was different than what I think is going to happen, which <laughs> I think that it, this is not also, if that's it with listeners, if this is not clear, this is not, it's not coordinated. And I just made up my prediction as I was speaking. Yeah, speaking of, I got all of your time to make up my prediction. 
I kind of, when I started, when I was like, I'm going to transition to the segment, I started thinking what I might have to say in case you were like, I'm not going to go first. You go first. Then I would have to go right away. You know, I would have something to say. All that to say, I think also not before this trade deadline, I think New Orleans will try to hold out for a better package, uh, any of these like deals that people are sending to them. But they'll hold out till the summer, and this summer they'll still end up dealing with the Lakers, and they'll get some mm. crappy package with them because everybody else is going to lowball them because they're afraid he just wants to go to the Lakers afterwards anyway. Mm. And so then they're like, all right, we're just going to, this is our value, we're going to go for it. This is the best we're going to get, and we know he's going to the Lakers, even though everybody got fined for tampering or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I think that you picked the, the um, the the. I think that's the the smart money is the conservative is bet once again. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, yes, indeed. Um, well, I'm and... either you know totally outlandish or uh, just going with the really boring take. So, okay, I yeah. changed my mind. It's going to um, be speaking of. He's going to the Nets, and the <laughs> they're going to send Joe Harris for him. Just straight up. They're going to change the rules so that they can trade Anthony Davis for Joe Harris straight up. Joe Harris is going to be on the Pelicans. Anthony Davis is going to be on the Nets. They're going to meet in the finals, and Joe Harris is going to drop t- 23s in one game, game one. Oh, my. And they're going to declare wow. the Nets. Uh, no, the Pelicans, who now Joe Harris is on, He's going to be. they're going to be the champions. Specifically, just Joe Harris is going to be NBA champion. Do you know that iconic picture of Chamberlain holding the 100 sign after he scores 100 points? (laughs) (laughs) Just imagine Joe Harris doing that. (laughs) I want somebody. Now that I think about it, there should be a player that after every single game, they like (laughs) hold up how many points they scored. (laughs) (laughs) They were. Uh, who would be the best player for that? <laughs> um, uh, uh, who would be good at it? I don't. I feel like I more likely to do it, but I don't think they'd be. I just want. I want to expand it to college basketball. I don't want Jack Salt to hold up a sign of how many points he scores every game. <laughs> Jack Salt on UVA because his high, career high is like 12 or something <laughs> but just like 7 every game <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, um, I like it so our sponsor Mammoth Espresso has this Proust questionnaire and our plan originally here was to do this on air but unfortunately it's like 20 questions long and they're pretty open ended questions um so yeah, apparently Marcel Proust, near the end of the 19th century, it developed this questionnaire, which uh, was thought he thought revealed one's true nature. And you can go to mammothespresso.com and take this Proust questionnaire yourself, um, and they'll then they contemplate your answers and recommend a coffee or tea beverage that complements your true nature. Uh, and my original goal was to discover Ray's true nature by ans- uh, asking him the questions, but it's just too many questions to do in the amount of time we have left. Um, so we'll leave that as an exercise to the listener uh, to complete if they mm. feel so compelled. If you're true nature. Also, I have a question. Yes. I have a short question for you, Court. Okay. How many names are in Marcel Proust's, what I suppose is his full name as described by Wikipedia? Um... Let's see. Five. Six. Oh. God. Valentine Lewis. George. It's one is George spelled like with an ES at the end. I don't know if that's is that just George or is it I don't know. I don't know. Considering it's yeah. probably Louis, then I would say George. Eugene. Yeah. Valentin Louis George's Eugene Marcel a lot of names yeah that's like spanish style almost yeah but he was french but he was french um 
like Rudy Gobert. And Full Tony circle. Parker. Time is a flat circle. Time is a flat circle. Well, this was a, you know, an emergency pod here due to the, uh, you know, fickle nature of employment in the NBA. Um, mm-hmm. But I've enjoyed discussing these potential scenarios with you, Ray. And uh, maybe we'll do a little once, if anything goes down as far as an actual trade happening, we'll have to revisit those predictions um, and see yeah. who truly uh, was able to predict things. But yeah, it was yeah. an enjoyable and time. Maybe we could just go back and edit the podcast so that we predict whatever happens. Oh yeah. We actually have recorded um, like 20 different hour long episodes of the podcast where it ended in different predictions. We had to do the whole thing though. So this is, this is actually number 20. We're, you know, we're at the end of a long day here. We both skipped work or school in our respective cases and just have been recording all day. So we thank you for, I mean, for you, it's not as bad. You just had to stick with us for this amount of time, but for us, it's been rough. So, you know, show your support, like, and subscribe. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh-oh. And keep your head up, Pelicans fans. It's going to be all right. Um, there'll be other basketball players unless the team leaves. And we don't really have to think about that right now. Yeah. And I don't think that'll Your happen. city, you, if you live in New Orleans, you live in a cooler city than wherever Anthony Davis is going to go. And that's good. That's a fact. That's only because Huntsville yep. doesn't have a basketball team. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That is... Sorry, that was a lot of shade on Huntsville. <laughs> <laughs> what did Huntsville do to you? I don't know. Just that one, you know. They changed their minor league team name so many times. I can't even remember what the team was when... Oh, the Huntsville Stars was when we saw them. But mm. anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think we saw the true Huntsville, so... You know, shout out to the rocket yeah. scientists. It's been a good night. Thanks for uh, thanks to all our listeners for listening. We hope everyone has a, a great night. <laughs>